0: Thanks for checking out the Vox Church podcast. We are so honored to have you join us, and we hope this message speaks to you in a powerful way. Learn more about Vox Church by visiting us online at voxchurch.org. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning to you. Once again, welcome to Vox Church Fox Church is one church in six locations, and so as we always do, we want to take a moment and say hi to our church spread around the region, and so here in New Haven, let's take a moment, say hi to to Bridgeport and uh, Springfield, Hartford, North Campus, Middletown, on and on. Welcome. Welcome. You know, on this last Sunday of the year, we have the great honor of hearing from uh, one of our incredible leaders here at Vox. So many of you know Nancy Silva. Nancy and her family have been some of the pillars of Vox Church from the very beginning. Nancy serves on staff here at Vox. You'll hear a little bit more about that in a few minutes. Uh, her husband, Joe, is a part of our Central Elder Team. Uh, their oldest son, Joey, leads our worship here at Vox, and they have two younger daughters who have been an incredible part of our church since day one. And so we have the great honor of hearing from Nancy. And so would you help me welcome her to the stage? Come on out, say hi to Nancy. Nancy and her family are incredible friends of ours. They are incredible people. Um, If you know them, you love them. Those two things go together. So uh, would you stretch out your hand and let's pray for Nancy as she teaches this morning. God in heaven, we are so grateful for Nancy. We're grateful for this family. Jesus, we are grateful this morning so we thank you god right now we open our hearts to you we open our minds to you jesus we thank you that you have something to say to each and every single one of us god right now we bless nancy would you anoint her words we thank you for the preparation we thank you for what you have put in her heart to share and god we just receive it as a church this morning in jesus name we pray amen amen
1: thanks mike Good morning, Vox Church. How are we this morning? Are you done with Christmas cookies and Christmas carols? Because I am. All right, I still have a few cookies left at home. We need to get rid of. I am so glad to be here. I'm just trying to get myself organized. What an honor and a privilege to be here. I want to welcome every campus. I wrote them down so I wouldn't forget anybody. Bridgeport, Middletown, North Campus, Hartford, Springfield, and then here in New Haven. What an amazing journey Vox Church is on, huh? So we welcome you. Um, It's a privilege to be able to speak to you, to share some of my stories, share some some scriptures, a little bit about myself. Mike shared a little bit. I'm on staff here at Vox Church and um, married to Joe for 30 years. The, The man, the myth, the legend. Joe Silva, he makes me call him that. Um, he's actually my my wisest mentor, is how I can describe my Joe. So um, he's part of the Central Elder team, and we have had the distinct honor of being part of this church since it launched, and it's glorious. Three kids who have become five because of marriage. We had two weddings in 2017, which was a big year. Our son Joey, Mike mentioned, he's usually here. I think he's in Hartford. Hi, Joey. Um His beautiful wife, who is on keys, Chrissy, who we love. Megan, our middle girl, who's uh, in a grad program at Southern here in New Haven, fiery, passionate lover of Jesus, and she's got a fight in her. She's going to change the world. And our youngest, Katie, who is married to her high school sweetheart, Will, they now live in Alaska, and it is freezing there. Oh. Get a roof from my good friend Matt right? Feaster up there in the front row. Um, it's freezing there. It's like four degrees and a ton of snow and five hours of daylight, but that's where they are. And, you know, like every family, we've had ups and downs. It's not perfect, but I am really grateful to God. I'm very blessed. I love my kids, and they usually like and love me too. Um, so I'm on Vox, staff at Vox, and I have the best job in the world. Okay, I do. You may think that you, you probably have the second best job. I have the first best job. I uh, not. What do I do? I, I get to assist our lead pastor Justin. That's a good portion of my job. I get to oversee prayer and I dabble in our marriage and family ministry. Uh, Vox Kids. I get to work with the lovely Katelyn Garen and Vox Kids. And probably my favorite thing is I get to care for our women in leadership, whether they are on staff or their spouses. I love what I do. But honestly, the best part of my job is who I get to do it with. By far, the staff at Vox, these young people that I get to spend day in, day out with, let me tell you guys, I see behind the scenes, and they are passionate about their love for Jesus, and they fiercely lay down their lives for the local church week in, week out. They believe for revival. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you to do. Can we have a rousing applause in every campus for every staff member at Vox? It's a choice to serve. It's a privilege to serve. I love you guys, and you are loved by this church, yeah? Um, And sometimes they can actually keep up with me on a good day. That was a joke. Um, Today, I want to share a story from the Bible. Um, I'm so grateful for this written Word of God. 24-hour access I have to this imitation leather, leather, large print Bible. One day, kids, you'll need a large print, too. Thank God. Whoever thought, like, let's just make the print bigger, because it's really great. My 30-plus year journey with Jesus, I have to say that the, the most transformative element in my life has been interacting with Scripture, guided by the Holy Spirit, studying, reading. I, I love the Word, and it never, I, you never exhaust it, um, and I especially love the Gospels. I love to see how Jesus walked, how He talked, how He treated people, how He healed with compassion, how He flipped tables. Isn't that great? I'm just waiting for the day God says, do it walk right in that office and flip that table um i just love to see jesus because when jesus walked down the earth he said if you see me you see the father so when i study his life when i steep myself in his life i see the heart and character of my god of my father and also in this sacred book because it's not one-dimensional there's layers i see myself I find who I am. I find that God's chosen me, that he loves me, that he's changing me. Um, And that's exactly the little journey I want to take us on today. We're We're going to take a look at an account in Mark 10. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. But we're going to see more of God, and we're going to see more of ourselves today. Amen? Yeah? Mark chapter 10, verse 46 through 52. It'll be on the screen. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, this is Jesus, and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more and followed Him on the way. Let's just close our eyes, bow our heads for a minute, and let me just pray for us. God, we surrender. I submit this time to you. Lord, Lord, we are in reverence of your word. We're so grateful for how you speak to us. So each one of us opens our heart, and we say more. We want more of you. We want to hear your voice clearly this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of today's message is, Go Your Way. Go Your Way. And right in the beginning of this story, we hear about Bartimaeus, and he's described rather harshly as a blind beggar. And, you know, during that culture, that time, he really had no social, no economic status. He, his, the, the picture of him in the Bible described like on the side of the road begging is a very accurate portrayal of really his standing in this life. He was nothing. He was a nobody. He was shoved to the side of the road. Um... And I imagine, when I think about these stories, what I really love is this is not a fairy tale book. These are real people who encountered the Son of God. So think about this man in this sitting on the side of the road in darkness, surrounded by a noisy crowd, full of hopes, full of dreams, just like you and me. And at the same time, like frustrated, angry, maybe some shame. You know, and in many ways, I can relate to Bartimaeus. Not the same circumstances, but I can relate. I remember when my life, you know, as a young woman, I was divorced and the stigma I carried and the brokenness and, and how I, I decided right then and there, I am unlovable and nobody is ever going to really love me. And that, that shame I carried. I remember the fear of always worrying what people thought about me. Am I ever going to be enough? Will I ever, ever be enough? frustration like Bartimaeus, broken dreams, lost hopes, you know, wanting so much more in life but not sure how it was going to happen. Even the begging, you know, I might not have been begging for physical needs, but my soul begged for the approval of others. My soul longed for others to, to, to care about me, to love me. So I can relate to this Bartimaeus. How about you? Do any of these emotions, any of these circumstances start to ring a bell in you? My prayer is that as we unpack this story, you discover a little bit of yourself and a little bit of God's heart towards you. You know, in the text, we see something happens. Verse 47 says, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Bartimaeus hears that it's Jesus. He hears, you know, he hadn't experienced him yet, but he heard stories. He probably heard about other, other blind people receiving their sight, deaf ears opening, withered limbs being healed and made whole, raised from the dead, transformed lives, compassion. And when he heard that, It created a response in Bartimaeus. He began to cry out. He began to cry out. This miracle worker was passing by him, and he began to cry out. I don't know whether it was a birth, a a, a lifelong blindness, or months, an accident months ago, or an illness, but I can see clearly in this text, and I can see in my life, the longing, the desperation, the hopes found their voice, and he began to cry out. He began to cry out. The story tells us that many rebuked him. Wow. Tough crowd, huh? Many rebuked him. And, and, you know, it was true then, and it's true now, that we live in a world that tries to silence our cry to God. The world we live in does not acknowledge, does not say, yeah, cry out to God. That's where your help is. So just like Bartimaeus, we face these kind of you know, naysayers every single day. And this rebuke, it was not a mild like, shh, Bartimaeus, just come on, quiet down. This was a shut up. This was a sharp, pointed, you know, rebuke to this guy. And the purpose was to silence him, to silence his voice. He had hope, he wanted help, he wanted change in his life. And they rebuked him to silence him. You know, we do experience the same. Maybe it's the industry you work in, the work, the job you do, your profession. It denies, it even mocks the existence of God. Maybe it's your family upbringing, your in the environment you grew up in. You know, God was like a distant judge. Just fly under the radar. He's not somebody you're going to cry out to. So our, our voice has been silenced in, in where we live or where we work. Maybe it's your closest relationships. Like, okay, they're okay with this Jesus thing. They get, you go to church every Sunday, maybe you go to a community group, but like this isn't gonna change your whole life. Come on, enough is enough. They don't understand why the old doesn't fit anymore. They want to silence your cry to God. Or maybe you're like me and and it's inward stuff. You know, I carried a ton of shame for decades. For decades, shame and stigma, maybe stigma, maybe you know, it's that adulterous affair you can't believe. What you've done. And, and I'm not crying out to God. Surely He's ashamed of me. Maybe it's that that failed business. There you go again. See, so this, this emotion just silences you. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's fear. You're just, you know, you're afraid. You're afraid what people think of you. You can't cry out. What are they gonna think? Maybe it's anger. For me, anger for a lot of years, betrayal by a friend or a spouse. I cannot believe they broke my trust. I'm not crying out to you, God. Where were you when my trust was broken? Or that job loss. I shouldn't have been fired. He should have been fired. So we're angry and it silences our voice. This one's common for all of us busyness. We live in a 24 7 world of distraction. You never have to be quiet. You never really have to slow down enough to cry out to God. Whatever it is, whether it's an outward circumstance or an inner issue, it's the same target. It's the same goal. Silence your cry to God. Silence your cry to God. I can remember very, very clearly when I was silent. You know, 30 something years ago, a broken, empty girl. And someone told me about a church like this. They used to set up in a, church, in a school building, and, and they told me where it was, and I got in my car and drove by literally 10 times. Like, I'm talking like 10 weeks. Not 10 times in, in, in a day. I drove by 10 weeks, puffing on my Virginia Slim menthol, ultralight 100. <laughs> got to give you all those deets. Thinking the choices I've made in life and the things I have no business going in those doors and crying out to God. And we just keep driving. I remember those days when my cry was silenced. Bartimaeus had every single reason to shut up. He was nothing in the world. He was sitting on the ground in the dark. Crowds were just trying to shut him down. I had every reason to not cry out to God. I made my choices. But that's not what happens. The story tells us that he cried out all the more. He cried out all the more. And this cry, listen, it wasn't this dignified Downton Abbey voice. Oh, Lord, have mercy on me. It wasn't this cry, this quiet, composed thing. This was loud, probably obnoxious, probably embarrassing and humiliating. It was desperate. It was raw. It was real. And it changed his life. It changed his life. Why? Why did a cry change his life? If you're taking notes, write this down. Freedom for your soul begins with a cry. If you are tired of the old, it starts with a cry, a cry to God. We have to stop allowing the world to silence us. We have to stop allowing people and circumstances and our own issues to silence us. We need to start crying out to God. We need to keep crying out to God because it'll change your life. Yeah? Amen? Yeah? Yeah. It will change your life. Thank you. Come on. i got to get shouting here. Come on. Verse 49 tells us. The story gets better. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up. He's calling you. Jesus stopped. He stopped. Was it the decibel level of Bartimaeus? Was it the sheer obnoxious tenacity that this guy had to keep screaming? That word, when he cries out, it's a scream, it's a bellow. Is that what stopped the feet and the ears of the Son of God? Was it his, the severity of his condition? Did Jesus just feel sorry for him? I got, oh, I got to stop and heal this guy. He's in a rough shape. I don't think it was any of those things. I don't believe any of those things are what stopped Jesus. I believe it was the content of his cry. I believe it was the, hear me today, I believe it was the content of his cry. I believe Bartimaeus had a heart so desperate, so broken, with some hope mixed in there. Years, years of this, and it found a voice, and it came out, and he cried out, Jesus, have mercy on me. I believe it was the content of his cry that stopped Jesus. He cried out for mercy. Now, mercy is really uncomfortable in our society. It's a strange concept. It's not something we embrace readily, and it's not something we often understand fully. When I cry for mercy, basically I'm revealing I'm weak and you're stronger than me. And we don't like to do that. We don't like to ask for help. Maybe you're like me. I wander around a store trying to find the taco mix or whatever. And I, I, God forbid I just stop and ask somebody. No, I can find this. 20 minutes later, I'm lost in the frozen food section. Not really. You know, maybe you're one of those people, you struggle to freely receive anything. You always have to pay back. Or maybe you grew up, you still hear that, that voice of that coach or that parent saying, you know what, mercy's for the weak. We really don't have any time for losers. So your perspective, your take on mercy is that if I need mercy or I show mercy, it's actually a character flaw. It's something to be looked down on. You know, being weak, needy, vulnerable, out of control, come on we're all the same in this room. It's unsettling. It's very, very unsettling. And then we carry this warped perspective of mercy into our relationship with God. You know, we see God as that coach or that parent or whatever, just telling us, get it together. You know, God helps those who help themselves. That's not true. (laughs) That's not true. The scripture is filled with the talk, the theme of mercy. And it tells us that God is rich in mercy, that his mercies are new every morning. But that warp perspective, it makes us deny and silence our cry. It does it to me. It does it to you. It silences my cry to mercy, for mercy, rather. And simply put, mercy is God not treating us as we deserve. Simply put. He's not treating us as we deserved. Bartimaeus knew this secret. Jesus, have mercy on me. Somehow he knew that's what he needed. His humble heart, he cried out and he stopped Jesus. How many of us would love, we want want to stop Jesus. We need to cry out for mercy. Isaiah 66, 2 puts it this way. It's the Lord speaking. In the verse before, he talked about how he made the heavens and the earth. He says in verse 2, all these things my hand has made. And so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. That's what God's looking for. Yeah. That's what he's looking for. (laughs) You know, 34 years ago, my life was interrupted. (laughs) By this mercy of God, interrupted good news the eleventh time only took me ten weeks, the eleventh week pulled my car in, heart pounding in my chest, I walked in this building, I heard, I heard the story, the the, the gospel, and my heart responded. I had no idea what was going on what 's with the guitars what 's with the drums. What's with the hands up? Why are people jumping up? I had no idea, but it was as if I had this moment with my creator. And in my mind's eye, in my mind, I clearly saw this picture. Stay with me. I clearly saw this picture. I saw my small, little gray, hollow, hard heart in a big block of ice. Maybe you've heard me tell this before, in a big block of ice. And I saw that ice melt. And I saw instead, I got a new heart, like a new heart. This, 34 years later, clearer than you are sitting in front of me, I can see this picture. God met me, and I received his mercy. I cried out for his mercy. It was awesome. Come on. And I am nothing and nobody. I didn't deserve it. I was a mess. And I would asked for the mess. And I saw the new heart. Something changed in my life. It was real. And I remember trying to tell this story to someone months later. It was like, I mean, this brokenness. Blah, blah, blah. I'm just trying to tell them. And, and, I, and I heard the Jesus dead on the cross. And I, and I heard the mercy and the love he has for me. And, he lo- and I tried to share this with somebody. And I, and I stopped. And they went, your faith is a crutch. You know that, right? Your faith is a crutch. And I just... For like 45 seconds, I was speechless, which was a miracle in and of itself. <laughs> Everybody knows that. Who knows me? And I did that, that blinking meme. I love that meme. You know the guy? I send that to my kids as often as I can for no reason. I love it. He's just like, really? So I heard, I heard this, your faith is a crutch. And I started to feel in that new heart, that new heart that God put in me, I started to feel words form, And I thought, no, my faith's not a crutch. I'm not hobbling around. God's not just trying to help me limb through life. Come on, you can do it. Get through it. My faith is actually a stretcher. My faith is a stretcher that carries my whole body. My faith carries me. Without him, I'm nothing. But in him, I have everything I need. He carries my life. My, my faith is a stretcher. The mercy of God carries me. A broken girl like me. Come on, he's here for us today. He loves you. He wants, you to, he wants to carry your life. Here's something I learned that day. Another thing, if you want to write it down. Mercy is only found by those who know they need it. Mercy is only found by those who know they need it. Until we're ready to admit the brokenness of our souls, I don't care how all together your life is on the outside or how broken up your life is, until we are ready to bear our souls before God and admit, like, I need you, God, we, we won't find mercy. But when we do when we do simply humble ourselves, we grasp this truth. And it's said best by Tim Culler, so I'm gonna read it right from my page. He says, I am so flawed that Jesus had to die for me, yet I am so loved that Jesus was glad to die for me. Come on, so loved. And what this does, when this comes alive in my soul, it humbles me and I go like, God, I need you. And at the same time, it breathes confidence into my heart. God, I need you, but you want me. God, I need you, but you love me. And that humility and that confidence, it fuels my cry. It's not a once-in-a-lifetime cry. It's a life. It's a lifestyle cry. So that humility and confidence fuels my cry. To day after day, cry out for his mercy. Let's take a look at the rest of this story. Verse 50 says... And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Now, you know, when we read passages in the Bible or whatever, you know, we can zoom over words and and, and think they don't mean anything. But this threw off his cloak and sprang up threw off his cloak is very significant so if now is you're going to start paying attention now is the time put your phone face down get off facebook or whatever it is we do with our phones it's very significant it carries a very deep meaning for you and i you know in his culture for bartimaeus the cloak was his it was his everything Okay, it defined him. Often beggars would put their cloak out to to receive alms. It was his warmth. It was his shelter. It was his comfort. It's how others recognized him. One commentator called it the badge of a beggar. That's what his cloak was. It was his identity. And in a crazy way, it was his sense of security. You know, identity is a powerful concept. How we view ourselves what we think of ourselves, how we think others view us. It's very, very powerful. So we're going to take a couple of minutes and we're going to reflect. We're going to ponder something we don't often do because we're busy and there's constant noise. Something's always playing. We're going to take a couple of minutes here and I want you to think through the answers of some of these questions I'm going to toss out to us. Who or what makes you feel most alive Who or what makes you feel most alive? In other words, what are you living for? Like, is it the job? Is it the promotion? Is it that corporate ladder, those accolades, those applause you get from from work? Or maybe you're my age. Is it the retirement fund? I just want to be done and get on the beach. What gets you out of bed in the morning? Who are you living for? What drives you? What occupies your thoughts? Come on. We're all the same. You know what I'm talking about. What occupies your thoughts and your time? Is it the approval of others? Is it that perfect body image you're striving after with countless hours in the gym? Is it that next new car or bigger house or or gadget, you know, phone, whatever? Is that what occupies your thoughts? Fill in these blanks. I can't live without I can't live without a relationship. I can't be alone. I have to be dating. I can't live without people's attention and approval. I can't do it. I just don't feel good enough without it. I can't live without my phone. <laughs> what can't you live without? What can you not fill in that blank? See, this is not a one size fits all. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. How about this one? I feel significant when I feel significant when my boss praises me. I feel significant when I get a certain number of likes on something I've posted. Sense of significance. Now listen, these answers that came into your heart, none of these are inherently evil. None of these are bad things. We should do well at work. We should care about people we should care about our families none of these are inherent legal the sh- evil the struggle co- did i say eagle evil the struggle comes when these things form the core of who we are when we can't be without them and that that's trouble for us because everything you thought of every blank you filled in is subject to change it's subject to change you're going to get passed over for the promotion. Somebody's going to get something you think you deserve. You're going to get that phone, and a monthly or stinking apple is going to come out with the next one, right? Like, what the heck? Are you serious? And somebody somewhere is in better shape than you. I know that for sure. See, when Jesus called Bartimaeus, he threw off his cloak. And what God is saying to us today is when he calls us close to, to him, there are things we need to throw off that are not stable identity factors, things apart from him. Bartimaeus was able to throw off his cloak because he recognized the voice of someone greater than the things that defined him. And that's a word for you and me today. We can throw off these things when we hear the voice of God and know that he is greater than everything else we're living for. Yeah. You know, this is what Jesus is calling me to today, and he's calling you. I mentioned to you, I was, I was a fifth-grade teacher. Um, I'm on staff now. My previous career profession was I was a fifth-grade teacher. I'm sorry. I was inspired by my husband. He went back to school in his late 30s. I went back to school in my early 40s, working full-time, three kids... Did my undergrad and my master's in three years. Didn't go grocery shopping for two years. Didn't do a bit of laundry for two years. My kids carried me. They should have been handed handed the degree. So I did this in three years. Didn't learn a darn thing. But I got the paper. (laughs) I didn't, really. Come on. How much can you learn in three years? But I started teaching, and I loved it. My family of origin, my extended family, is full of educators. So I fit right in. Thumbs up, pat on the back. Great job. You're teaching now awesome. I had a great grade partner. I had an awesome school I was working in. And about five years ago, so four or five years into teaching, I start to feel this nudge in my heart. I know the Lord's voice. I don't always listen. I start to feel this nudge in my my heart that I have more for you. And I'm like, I'm just fine. Thank you, God. I do love you and I appreciate you thinking of me but I think I'll pass. I have June, I have June, July, and August off. <laughs> so I kind of just like to let it go, but I'm telling you, it was a nagging sense, but I just kind of, in, I was like, this is crazy, this can't be. About four years ago, sitting at my desk, eating my lunch, you teachers, you know, you got about 30 seconds to eat, and then you got to get ready for when the kids come back. And I, my phone rings, and it's my good friend, Justin Kendrick. And he calls me. And the gist of our conversation was this, would you come work with me? Would you come work here? And I was like, I was undone. Not because it was Justin. Although, side note, my life has forever changed working alongside that young man, working for him, working with him. Yeah, we are blessed, guys. He's the real deal. We love him. But I was undone because not so much Justin on the end of that cell phone. But God used his voice. Jesus was calling me to himself. This was the thing I'd been avoiding for a year, this nudging. It was Jesus saying, come here. And I'm going, leave teaching? Are you kidding me? I'm just getting started. I am safe and secure here and I have the summer off. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a sister, I'm a friend, I'm a really great dancer. (laughs) Some of you have seen me dance. But God, if you want me to lay down this cloak of teaching, and I'm going to leave teaching, then who am I? I was terrified. I was terrified, guys. But I could not deny the voice of Jesus calling you. How about you? Right now, I know, I know the Spirit of God is just pointing out things to you. Like I said earlier, this is not one size fits all. He is saying multiple things in this room to people. What cloak does he need you to throw off? What cloak do you need to throw off to be able to respond to him? You know, like Bartimaeus, Jesus was calling me, I knew it. And you know it too inwardly, I know it. The spirit of God is working in this room. He's working in every single campus. He's speaking to you about what you need to throw off. And we often we long for this new life. We want this new life that we read about that we hear about. But we have full hands, we have full hearts and we have full calendars. We don't have any room for the new because we're full of the old. Here's one thing I learned. Before you can discover the new, you must throw off the old. I had to take that step of faith. Before I could discover the new, I had to throw off the old. Now, I'm not saying you got to leave your job. God's speaking to you what you need to throw off. It's terrifying to make change. You know, when, I, when maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe you were hurt or betrayed. And right now, God's showing you somebody you need to forgive. And you're like, God, if I'm not angry, I don't know who I am. He wants you to throw off the shame, the fear, the the things that we carry. But if we throw those off, who are we? I'll tell you who you are. You're a child of God, created in His image. Therefore, there's one secure, stable source for your identity, and it's a relationship with Jesus. Everything else pales in comparison to that. So you know how the story ends? Jesus asked the question, Bartimaeus answers, boom, Drop the mic, he's healed. I wish I could. I'd get in so much trouble if I dropped this mic right now. I have to pay for it. And, and listen, we have powerful prayer teams, powerful prayer teams in every single campus. And if you have a physical need, we want to pray for you today. But this story goes deeper. This story goes a little bit deeper. We can't stop here. Bartimaeus says, let me recover my sight. What I see is that when we cry out from a humble heart, all right, when we embrace mercy instead of pushing it away, when we surrender the old, our eyes open to the greatest need of our soul. Listen, I didn't read this in a book. This is my life. This is what God's shown me. When we do those things, when we surrender to God, our eyes open to our greatest need. Imagine this scene with me, this last verse of this passage. Here's Bartimaeus standing there, a man who's lived in darkness for I don't know how long, but a month would be long enough. And he sees, like the sun's bright, he's seeing people around him, he's probably blinking, he's probably just taking it all in. And Jesus says, go your way, your faith has healed you, go your way. What does Bartimaeus do? His immediate, most pressing need has been met. And Jesus says, go your way. Does he go home? I wonder if he has a family or a house to go to. Does he want to see a sunset or take a shower? Instead, instead for the first time, Bartimaeus sees his deepest, greatest need, his true source of identity, and he is standing right in front of that source. So physical blindness was one thing, but right in front of him, Bartimaeus sees his greatest need, and he doesn't heed the words of Jesus. He doesn't go his way. Instead, Jesus becomes his way. Jesus, that's what happened to me that 34 years ago when my heart changed, Jesus became my way. For Bartimaeus, he found this glorious, glorious truth. Take this in, guys. Take this in. When Jesus becomes your way, you become yourself. When Jesus becomes your way, you become yourself. All those things for our identity that we hold to, that like I said to you, they're subject to change. When Jesus becomes our way, we, find, we become ourselves. Would you stand with me this morning? You know, this is the last Sunday in 2018. I'm so privileged to be here today. Last Sunday, you know, it's a, there's a thrill in that year change, isn't there? Like you clean out stuff. I threw a whole bunch of stuff away at work. I'm going to throw a whole bunch of stuff away at home. You, you, sh- you leave the old to kind of enter into that brand new year. So right now, what do you need to leave behind? What are you not willing to drag into 2019? I'm telling you, I'm counting on the Holy Spirit right now. And he is speaking to our hearts about what we need to leave behind. Would you just let yourself be honest and cry out to God? Would you stop resisting and rejecting his mercy and just admit that you need it? Would you realize with me that all those possessions and relationships, they're great, they're blessings, but they're not the core of who you are? When we worship together in a minute, that is going to be your time to cry out to God like you've never cried out to Him before. Would you close your eyes? I want to pray for us. God, I thank you. I thank you, God, for the work you're doing in our hearts. I thank you, God, that as this year ends… You're going to teach us to humble ourselves, to embrace your mercy, to surrender to you, God, to let go of the old so we can invite in the new. Even in your own words, just start speaking to God. Start crying out to God for his mercy, for his newness in your life. Lord, we love you. Thank you. Keep working in our hearts, God. We surrender our lives. You are our greatest need. Jesus, you are our greatest need. Amen. Amen.
0: Vox Church seeks to reach New England and beyond with the life-transforming message of Jesus. If you have been impacted by this message or the ministry of Vox Church, you can continue to help us reach others by giving today at voxchurch.org forward slash give. For more information on how to get involved, visit us online or on any social media platform at vox.church. We always appreciate you taking the time to rate or review this message on iTunes. Thanks again for listening to the Vox Church Podcast.